This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, this week, I'm excited, man. This is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, I'm glad that, that we're a Holy Ghost church, a church that, you know, I, I, I hear some, uh, you know, some pastors and stuff, and, you know, they, they plan their sermons out a whole year in advance, and I've got, I've got my sermon series for every month, and, and I, you know, I do that to a little bit of an extent, but I've, all, I've never wanted to be locked in and say, man, God told me to preach something this Sunday, but we've already got scheduled for me to be preaching about, you know, whatever, Fruity Pebbles or whatnot. And and so this I had a sermon planned for this week, but uh, but the Lord uh, changed something, uh, changed directions on us, I guess you could say. And so we're we're currently in our series, and this is part of it today, called Love Riot, and we're using that word riot as an acronym for a righteous invasion of truth. Because who thinks the world needs a little truth right now? Yeah, who thinks the world they need love? And not not the frou-frou fake stuff, but the God kind of love, the real deal, the real agape love of God. And so uh, we're, we're looking at bringing love, the God love, and bringing truth to 2020 because that seems to be a couple of things that are currently missing in our society. But as we were, uh, I think, I don't know, someday this week, I don't know what day it was, but we're having a meeting about reopening Children's Church because that is vitally important. And you'll see why I say that in a few minutes. But as we were doing that, you know, uh, Leah and Desiree, Katie and I, we, we're just, we, man, we got tears in our eyes. Now, I came close. I don't cry often, but Leah was definitely crying. And so, <laughs> and the Ladies were crying. I was this close to. I was, I was. I was getting misty. You ever been there? Like you're not sure if it's sweat, but it was, but something was going on there. And so we we're thinking about how vital children's ministry is right now. Now, some people I say that, and you're like, no, it's not. Kids got it easy, man. They don't know what we're dealing with, and 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 you are so off off base. It's not even funny. And I'm gonna. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but we need to realize. That this whole generation, but especially right now, 2020 has been a crazy year for everybody. I mean, no way you look at it, even though what whatever your feelings are about mask or no mask. Or, I mean, you know, who cares? Whatever. But but it's been crazy. It's been nobody. It's like nobody knows what's going to happen next. And, and and fine. But but as adults, we've dealt with a lot of that. But what so many adults don't realize is. Kids have dealt with a lot, too. And I'm being very serious about that. They, But they don't know how to process all of it the same as maybe you do. They don't know how to work through a lot of it the same as you do. Some of them are doing better than a lot of the adults at handling their emotions. But at the same time, still, uh, the kids are people, too. And they've had to deal with a lot, too. And kids have been scared seeing the news on TV every day, right? I mean, hopefully you have some level of putting more Bible in front of them than you do news. But anyway, kids have been seeing a lot of the things unfolding on TV. Like there's a city on fire over there. There's people with this over here. There's this is going on and 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 people are losing their job. And, and kids are seeing all this. Right. And so they've been handed a crazy plate of whatever to and all they know is in March of this year, they were at school one week playing with their friends. And then over the weekend, it seems like everything changed and now they can't see their friends anymore. And another thing that we'll dig into is it is a children. We've got a very small window of time 
to mold them and shape them and, and to give them their spiritual foundation for the future. And, and it's a very serious thing. It's critical how we as parents and adults handle children in this very short period of their time. I remember, you know, uh, 17, 18, I felt like I'd lived a pretty long life already. I mean, you know, anybody else remember that? Like, well, hey, I mean, I've, here I am. <laughs> and, you know, I got engaged at 18, married, you know, right there at 19. And we had done a lot by the time, you know, by, by a young age. But still, looking back now, 18 years doesn't seem like that long of a period of time to me anymore. 16 years, 15 years, 10 years, that used to seem like, wow, a whole decade. That doesn't seem that long anymore. And that's the short window of opportunity that we as Christians have to really reach kids. And I'm going to show you some stuff in a minute to prove a lot of what I'm saying. But I did some, I've done some research, you know, over the past few days, and it's not that hard to, to do research anymore and find these things. But home life, the home life for a lot of people, has been even worse than ever in 2020. You're like, well, I mean, our family's been good. I, I mean, I'll, I'll bet that if you're a, you know, a, a mature, stable, on fire for God Christian, it probably hasn't been that bad. And I'll admit, we have not felt a lot of the effect. People tell me stuff, that, you know, like you haven't experienced this. I'm, I, I haven't. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that you have, but a lot of this, honest to God, hasn't really done much to us just because we live in the shelter of the most high and i'm not again i'm not judging anybody else but it hasn't affected us i i hear of churches that have you know have just gone through so much financially and everything else and i'm like it, it just hasn't happened to us and well i wouldn't i wouldn't say that I'd never say never i'll say never i've got jesus on my side jack come on Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously. So I'm bold enough to say that, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. You know, I was talking to someone a while back and they're like, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says Christians are protected from infectious diseases. And I'm like, I wasn't going to argue with him because he's a, you know, a brilliant man, but I do know more about the Bible than him. And I'm like, you don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says God promised to protect us. What about Psalm 91? What about 1 Peter 2.24? What about 3 John 2? I mean, come on, we could rattle off. God did promise to protect us from stuff. Anyway, let me get back onto this. I'm trying to, you know, usually I'm more of a preacher. I'm trying to go into teach mode today. So if you see me going wild and start screaming and spitting, just tell me to get back to my notes here. So I'm really trying, okay? But one thing I found out is home life has been super hard. And who does that affect most? It usually affects kids the most. And so uh, domestic violence is up as much as 130% in some areas. Little kids caught in the middle of that. Little kids caught in the middle of punches flying, parents beating the tar out of each other. Kids caught in the middle. Drug overdoses up 42% across the nation right now. Yeah, well, but it's essential to do this and that. Church isn't essential, but it's essential to, you know, be able to go to Taco Bell. And it's essential to be able to shut up. Churches being shut down has been an awful thing for America. Horrific thing. Awful thing. A, A trap from the devil to try to separate people. You can get the same thing watching online. I humbly... No, you can't. You can't, and I, and I've experienced that, and you've experienced that. I don't judge anybody else that's gonna do what they gotta do, but it is not the same. I've had both, and I, this is better. So, anyway, 
suicide rates have skyrocketed, skyrocketed throughout all this. Well, that doesn't affect kids. That affects kids. Doctors at John Muir Medical Center in Walnut Creek, California, say they have seen more deaths by suicide during the quarantine period than deaths from COVID-19. I got this off of ABC 7 News, so, you know, if you believe them, but I'm not making this up. Doctor, I'm going to try to pronounce his name right. Dr. Mike DeBoisbank said, we've never seen numbers like this in such a short period of time. We've seen a year's worth of suicide attempts in the last four weeks alone. That was in June, so I'm trying to get as up-to-date stuff as I can. But there, the emotional toll, the household toll of the pandemic or whatever you want to call it is tearing families apart and it's messing with little kids and nobody wants to acknowledge that. Nobody wants to say anything about that because we focus on the real people, the adults. And that is dangerous. We can't be like that. And here's what gets me the most. And maybe you've seen a little bit of, we were down, Katie and I went down to San Clemente to the beach the other day. And, uh, somebody had a little, uh, booth out there. They were selling some t-shirts to raise money, uh, to help support ending human sex trafficking. And I don't know if you've ever realized it, but America is a horrific, at the top of the list country for child sex trafficking. And that is, and, it, and it's not just some kid that gets kidnapped. I mean, I've heard stories even from people here in Barstow that their own parents renting them out. Yeah, but their kids, they don't have real problems. Some of these kids I've met in Barstow have problems beyond anything I've ever imagined, and I've had cancer, all right? I mean, I've, I've, there's some real stuff. There's a real enemy in this world. But the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in the U.S. has recorded a 106% increase in their cyber tip line reports of suspected child sexual exploitation. In March of 2019, the hotline received just under a million reports. In March of 2020, it was over 2 million. And in April of 2020, it was over 4 million. One month into the quarantine, it doubled again. Now, I mean, come on. This is a legit situation. And the crazy part is, think about this. In that month of doubling to over 4 million, that's without kids being in school. And schools and teachers are who do the most of the reporting. If it's oh, if it doubled and that wasn't even teachers calling it in, how mind-blowing is that? And, you know, I'm going to get positive here in a few minutes because that's what I do. I'm a very happy and positive person. My wife makes fun of me for being so happy all the time. So I'm going to get there, okay? But we just got to deal with some stuff today. And you're like, well, you know, that, that, that's... That, that, that's, that's the nation, but, but we live in this small little town. And I got local statistics too, uh, from, uh, well, I'll just, Tawny, uh, works at On the Rise Foster Care. So does Julie right there. So does Norma right there. And so does Jamie. I don't see her right now. But we got four or five at this church that work at the same place for there. And so I've been able to get some close to home numbers to tell us a little bit about what's going on uh, closer. And the sickest thing that I've seen, and I, you know, again, maybe you've seen this, but a legit push to accept pedophilia as just a sexual orientation. 
you know, like, well, they can't help it. Don't judge them that they're attracted to. And I, and I got kids in the room, so I'll be sensitive. But, but they, they, and I just watched a video this morning. I about threw up, you know, just watching it. Somebody saying, you can't judge these guys. That's just who they're attracted to. Just like, like baloney, you can't judge them. We'll, we'll be judged, jury, and execution. <laughs> I won't say that. But, but yes, I will judge that all day long. And don't tell me to not judge that. That's sick and twisted, and that's the devil trying to mess with little kids. And so a lot of Christians and people have this philosophy, you know, well, uh, you know, don't don't push, you know, don't push the Bible onto kids at such a young age. Wait till they just, you know, just wait till they get older before you start bringing faith into the mix. The devil's not waiting till they get older to come and try to destroy their lives. Why do Christians wait, but the devil doesn't have to? I mean, I'm how many people in here, you know, I'm not going to ask for details, but something that happened in your childhood has affected where you are today and things that happened in your adult life. The devil didn't wait until, well, I, I really want to screw this guy up with this, but let's wait till he's at least like 16, 18. Then we'll come in. The devil put cancer on me when I was three. Right? You know, the devil, he's worked through people to harm children and do all sorts of things, and he didn't care how old they were. So why should the church, why should Christians wait their turn and say, well, we just wait till they're old enough to make up their own mind? It's vital that children's ministry take place and that adults, Christians, actively work to reach children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And so we're going to say a few things today and uh, and just, man, I believe that God's going to speak to you and work with you. But we are we've got as at High Desert Word Center, we've got to reach kids and we are working on getting our children's ministry open because kids need Jesus. We've you know, we've made videos. Our, our children's department was one of the first that I saw around to start making videos like a week or two after the quarantine to start getting church to kids any way they could. But it's time to start ministering to the kids. Uh, they need, they need it because they don't have school right now. They, they don't have any social interaction outside of the, you know, their own house. And so it's, it's just so vital. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to talk about two things. Father in Jesus name, I thank you, Lord, that we are in your house today. Lord, we are, we're gathered and, and, and we're doing what you said to Lord. We're not forsaking the assembling of the saints as Hebrews 10 25 says. And Lord, we thank you for anybody else joining us online. God, that you're speaking to them right now. Lord, I pray that as we share your word today, it will not return unto you void. It will accomplish everything you send it forth to do. And we thank you, Lord, that you're opening our hearts and our minds and our eyes today to hear the truth of what you have to say in Jesus name. Everybody said. So point number one is this. Number one. Kids are real people. Kids are actual real people. They're not just, you know, little short specimens. Kids are real people. And I know that sounds like a silly thing to say, but most adults don't act like it. And it's it's so important that we that we get this. I heard Willie George, uh, you know, a lot of you maybe know who Willie George is. Uh, uh, he had the gospel bill kids tv show back in the 80s and all this stuff so i grew up on that but uh but but willie george he has a giant 20,000 member church but the weird thing is most of it is focused at kids and so i think he has like a 300 acre campus and he said 
80% of the whole of all of his property and buildings is for kids and he just the 20% is for the adults. He focuses on kids but has built this giant ministry, but he was saying that when he first got into children's ministry, a lot of people would call him, you know, we call Michael Jordan the goat of basketball. Willie George is like the goat, the greatest of all time of children's ministry. The man is a literal genius when it comes to this stuff. But he was saying when he first started doing children's ministry, he was just talking to to a, a different pastor one day and sharing like, man, yeah, things are going great at church. Uh, we've had, you know, the church has been having this many people uh, that we've been ministering to. And another pastor said, okay, how many of them are kids? Like, what? Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you're reaching 500 people a week, but let's, what's the real numbers? How many of those are kids and not adults? Like, well, what's that supposed to mean? That's supposed to mean that kids don't count. That's supposed to mean that, well, you know, uh, 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 you know, there we'll push them off to the side and while we take care of the real people, the adults, because they're the real ones that need help and 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 we need to focus on them. That is a lie from hell that is destroying people. How many of them are kids? And I, then I, I he told me this. Uh, well, I heard him say this that. Most churches don't actually count kids in their attendance. And that was news. I'd never heard of that. I'm like, we've always done that. Why do we count kids in our attendance? Because we're not babysitting them. We are actually preaching the gospel to them. From nursery, newborn, you put a two-week-old baby in the nursery, they're going to hear the Bible. You All the way up to, you know, the elderliest person here, we're preaching the gospel to every single age group. So let's count every single age group because we're ministering to them. And I didn't believe that. I was talking to another pastor a while back locally, and, and he was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't count kids in the attendance. That's, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say anything to you. But that, like, I, that's just mind-blowing to me that every person that we preach Jesus to counts as a human being. And I don't care if we go to church of 500 kids and 20 adults. I'm That's fine, man. I'm happy with that. We've got a church of 520. Kids are people, too. And, you know, I, I'm grateful that this has been the church of the... Ba- the, the uh, we just had yesterday or the day before our... Third or fourth baby born, fourth baby born within the last three weeks just from church right here. And we've had seven or eight babies. Why is that? We love kids here, right? I mean, there's other reasons why those babies were born. Come on. But, but at the same time, we love kids and, and, and I'm so excited about that, that we've got new life coming up. We've got church growth right there just from babies being born into the church. And so we, don't have a babysitting service. We have a children's ministry at High Desert Word Center. And that is not to be confused with babysitting. We minister to kids because they're real people that will grow up someday. They will go to heaven or they will go to hell. And statistically, the greatest chance they have of ever receiving Jesus takes place right now. And I'm going to I'll share that here in a second. But I want to talk about Willie George for just one minute here. He was sharing his story about growing up. He had a really solid, good life until his parents divorced when he was, I don't know, a certain age, like eight or nine or ten. And so he had to go live with his 
mom in Fort Worth, Texas, while his dad lived in a small town somewhere else. And he said life got really, really bad. His mom was so depressed all the time that the doctor literally said, you know what, I recommend you start drinking a glass of wine or, or have a beer before, you know, every evening, and that'll just kind of light. She turned into a full-fledged alcoholic, abusive, suicidal, just train alcohol ruined the life of that family. And so he said every day, I mean, it was just, it just got worse and worse until one night he was faking like he was asleep in bed and he saw her peek through the door with him and his brother and say, I wonder what the boys are going to do when they wake up and find me dead. And so he, and, and again, kids don't have real problems. So just ignore this story. But, but he wakes up and he says, Mom, what are you doing? And she had an empty bottle of pills. She had downed a whole bottle of sleeping pills. And so they were poor because, you know, they had divorced and everything. So there was no phone at his house, no phone at any of the neighbor's houses because they lived in a really poor area. He said he had, at whatever, 10, 11 years old, he ran all the way to the other side of Fort Worth, Texas to get a hold of his grandparents in the middle of the night so they could save her life and get her and he said he remembered being there in the hospital you know they went to the charity hospital because they couldn't afford to go to the regular one and the doctor's pumping his mom's stomach trying to save her life he hated his childhood hated it and for so many kids home life is so bad school was the and church were the the two safe places they had to go to all week because going home was hell. And but we're going to keep them safe, you know, because they got a 99.99% chance of surviving. But but let, you know, anyway, I'm not going to know that. But but we've got kids being beaten at home, living through hell on earth at home right now. Because they had school that at least gave them an 8-hour escape every day or they had church where maybe they're grandparents or neighbor would bring them and drop them off for 2 hours a week and at least they had that one little window to take a breath and relax for a minute and everything was okay but we've taken that away now that's an awful thing and willie george said later on you know he came home from school one day and there was a trail of blood through the house and he went in there and found his mom had stabbed herself had to save her life again and it went on and on and on it was awful and so his grandma would take him to church sometimes and 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 that didn't do any good because he said their idea of children's ministry is they threw all the kids in one room and had a really old person read the King James Bible to the kids for 45 minutes and then close it and, you know, all right, go back to the adult. And, you know, at least they made some sort of effort. But he said, I didn't understand a word of what they said. And not one person ever at the church that his grandma took him to, not one person ever said, hey, how's life? Is everything going? Are you OK? Is everything OK? How are you doing? Nobody asked how he was doing. Nobody ever actually got down on his level and said, let me explain Jesus to you. Let me explain the gospel to you. Why didn't anybody ever ask a kid at church how he was doing? Because kids aren't real people. They don't. He can have problems. Let's talk to the adults over here. Now, you know, go to the room, go to the side over there. What an awful experience. And so when he got older, he got saved in high school and started the most amazing children's ministry in the history of the world. And so that's why I have a lot of respect for what he has to say. But look at this. I think I've got this on the screen. 
the International Bible Society and Barna Research, and they've done they do this survey every couple of years. I mean, the, and the results are always the same. Eighty-three percent of all Christians make their commitment to Jesus between the ages of four and fourteen. Now, I would say that's exaggerated, but they do this every few years and always get just about the same number. Eighty. Think about that. Eighty-three percent of people that end up being a Christian, staying with it, make that decision to be a Christian between the ages of four and fourteen. That is an astronomical number, and the window gets smaller and smaller as people get older, and only 4% of people that become saved and really do stick with it make that decision after the age of 30. Think about that. Only 4% that, and, and, and I would say that's exaggerated. I don't believe these stats, but I've seen the same statistics every year for like 20 years going back. How important is it that we focus on ministering to kids? Most churches put all of their evangelistic efforts, put all of their money and resources into reaching a group of people. And you should. I mean, we got to evangelize everybody. But the average church puts all resources, all time, all effort, all evangelism, everything they've got into reaching the group that, statistically speaking, has the absolute lowest percentage chance of actually jumping on board with that and coming along to Jesus. we got to keep reaching everybody. I would never say don't evangelize adults. But what I am saying, it's absolute foolishness to put no effort in to evangelizing and ministering to kids when, statistically speaking, that's the greatest chance you've got at reaching somebody with the gospel. But most churches, they don't, most people don't see it that way. We have got to change how we view things. So, Matthew chapter 18, let's look at some word here. Matthew chapter 18, stick with me, I'm going somewhere. Going somewhere. And this applies to everybody. If you're a Christian and you're a person, this applies to you. Matthew 18, let's flip over there. Who's glad they came to church today? Matthew 18, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And I've got to just thank God for the godly parents that we do have. Thank God for the godly grandparents that we do have. And parents, as I'm reading all this, man, I'm, you know, I've been studying this for a few days. I'm examining my life big time. Because, hey, who knows, it is not always easy when your kids get on your nerves a little bit. Anybody? And I took mine to Walmart last night, and I was like, wow, I've about had it. Ugh. Then, of course, church people keep seeing me and, and like, hey, Pastor Dave, how you doing? And I want to talk, and I'm like, I just want to get out of this store with these kids. Just don't talk to me right now. Please. So anyway, um, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. Now, you need to realize that Jesus took kids very, very seriously. Very, very. Very seriously. Matthew 18 verses 1 through 4. I'm in the New Living Translation. says, about that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, well, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. 
So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, that sounds like Jesus takes kids kind of seriously to me, right? Now, I've said this before, but I'm just going to say it again. There's never one time in the Gospels where Jesus told kids, you need to act like the adults over there. But time and time again, he told adults they need to act like kids. Isn't that like the exact opposite of what we always hear? Man, you tell those kids to shut up. Tell them to be quiet right now. And, and I'm like, hey, I get it. We've got to teach our kids reverence. We've got to teach our kids the altar is holy. We've got to teach our kids communion is holy. We've got to teach them these things. But we can't get mad every time they aren't perfect little angels. Kids make a little noise. They do stupid things sometimes, okay? But that doesn't mean that we throw them out. Oh, man, they're, they're just this generation. I'll tell you right back when I was a kid, we never would have got away with that, blah, 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 blah. Like, my gosh. Chill, man. Chill. Well, I understand. we got to teach them these things. But hating on them all the time and telling them to shut up does not tell them that they're valued and loved and that Jesus wants them to, you know. Do you think that makes kids want to go to church when they get older, when they view church as just a bunch of cranky old people? Thank you for your holy silence. You're good at this. You're good at this. All right. You're good. So, but I mean, if that was my, I would, I I would want to, when I was 18, I'd be like, man, let me split and go someplace where people don't hate their lives so much. But kids need to see church as, as necessary, right? As life changing, as fun, right? And as people that love a place of love where I've had a bad week, I messed up, I need to get to church where where they're still going to love me anyway, where they're still going to be there for me and not throw me out. How about Matthew chapter 19? Matthew chapter 19, because Jesus, especially in the book of Matthew, had a lot to say about kids. Matthew chapter 19. And so it says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus. Let's give a hand to these parents right there. I'm not joking. Let's give a hand. For these parents, because they did what a lot of parents fail to do, they brought their children to Jesus. I mean, well, he was sitting right there. It was so easy. It's Jesus is right here with us today. He didn't cease to exist, right? So parents that bring their children to Jesus are the best parents that there is. And so one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. That's Jesus over there, man. He doesn't have time for kids. Get them out of here. We've got blind people. We've got possessed people. We've got people with real problems. Get your kids out of here. There's no time for that. But look what happened. Jesus said, stop. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Let me tell you this. Kids are not bothering Jesus. Time and time again, I see adults bothering Jesus. Right? I mean, he had to throw them out. He had to throw them out of the temple. Adults were bothering Jesus all the time, but never once is there a recorded instance of kids bothering Jesus. He kept saying, "You got to be like, you got to be like these guys." What are you talking about? You've got to become like these guys if you even stand a chance of getting into heaven. 
Now, there's a lot of reasons he wants us to be like kids. But I, I'm, again, I'm trying to just stick stick on track right here. But I will say this. The churches that are the most successful, at least the churches I want to be like, are churches that make kids a priority. We have got to make kids a priority because if, if we just only focus on, uh, we'll, we'll focus on, they'll leave the church when they get 18. Happens time and time again all across America. And then eventually that church just dies out because they made no investment in their future. It's foolish to not invest in your future. Because when all of us get old and die out, then it's all over with and we're gone. I mean, like, we had a good run. We had fun while, while it lasted. But we did not do anything to bring Jesus to the next generation. That is so screwed up, so messed up that it's not even funny. And so I like what Pastor Gerald Brooks, he has a church in Plano, Texas, and we go and see him at least about once a year. But his church's mission statement is this. We are a church for kids with adult care provided. <laughs> and that's been, his, that's been their mission. We are a church for kids with adult care provided. And like, yeah, the adults you can come to, but well, we're really, we're really ministering to the kids here. And so, you know, if any of this is flying over your head and like, I'm just, I'm not with that, then, you know, that's, you know, whatever, that's fine. We love you too. We'll do everything we can for you. But it would be foolish of us to not put a huge amount of our resources and effort into reaching kids because, I mean, you're seeing right now what happened. Look at, look at society right now. Let's just get real. Do you see all these crazy people everywhere you look? People, I mean, they don't know if they're a boy or a girl. They're blowing stuff up. They're, they're stabbing you. They're, they want to burn your house down if you don't agree with them. All these crazy people everywhere. Think about that. This is obviously a generation that was not reached with the word of God and the gospel when they were, I mean, at least not in an effective way. Maybe some of them were, but whatever happened, it went wrong and it didn't stick. We have got as a whole, the body of Christ as a whole, Christians all across the nation to put some real effort into reaching kids because Satan is doing everything he can to reach kids. Have you seen some of these kids shows these days? I'm just being real. They're slipping stuff into your kids shows and that, that you don't even have any idea about. The devil is not waiting until they get older. He's giving it everything he's got right now. And Christians are like, well, you know, we want to, we can't hold back from reaching kids. And so point number two is this. We have a responsibility towards them. Number one, kids are real people too. Number two, we have a responsibility, an obligation to them. We are to protect them, right? Who thinks that as a, as a person, you've, as a, as a man, as a woman, if you see a kid being harmed, you've just got some obligation to do something. If you don't think that, then you're screwed up. You're messed up. If you think that, well, I know it's not my business, I don't want to get involved, that is messed up. As a Christian adult person, you have an obligation to protect children when they need protected. But we also have an obligation to reach them with the gospel. And so look at this, Matthew chapter 18. We're in Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, verses 5 and 6. Jesus says this about kids. Are you still glad you're here today? 
Matthew 18, 5 and 6, Jesus says, And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What did I just read? That is some intense words right there. Jesus said, if you screw one of these kids up, you'd be better off to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the ocean. Now, who thinks that sounds like a really bad thing to happen to you, that you do not want a millstone tied around your neck and to be thrown out into the Pacific out there? Anybody? Show of hands. I'm asking for a show of hands. Okay. Some of you don't think that sounds bad. I think that sounds awful to have a stone tied around my neck and thrown into the death. As bad as that sounds, Jesus said, you'd be better off having that than dealing with me if you screw a kid up and cause them to stumble and, and end up in sin. I mean, my gosh. Jesus doesn't sound like he's playing around when it comes to our responsibility and our obligation to kids. And so I talked this week with uh, with Tawny over here. Uh, just I wanted some local stuff because we tend to read these things, especially in a small town. We're I mean, I'll admit I'm a small town guy. I grew up in a small town, lived in a small town other than college for most of my life. And so us small town people, we have a tendency to feel uh I don't know, just cushioned from the rest of the world, right? And and like, well, I know that that probably does happen in L.A. I'll, be, I'll that guarantee you that happens over there in Chicago. It's awful over there. But we have a, a tendency to insulate ourselves and think that we don't have actual issues, you know, in our little bubble, right? And and a lot of the stuff, yeah, we don't see a lot of the stuff that other places see, but thank God. So I'm really happy to live in a great small town because hashtag Barstow is blessed. Am I right? Thank you. All right. So anyway. Get your merch next week, right? We got that church merch coming in. <laughs> so, but I was talking to her and um, she told me that their agency is definitely super busy right now. I mean, really busy right now. Phone calls every day trying to get kids placed into a safe home in Barstow. Uh, you know, not just, well, once a week we get a call every day trying to rescue kids from abusive, bad, whatever situations every single day. And apparently, I didn't know this, but if I understood this right, there was a court order during quarantine to stop kids from having visitation with other siblings. Am I right, people that work in this industry? Okay, I mean, let's think about that for a second. You've already been taken away out of your home, which you pro- you were probably, you know, needed to be taken out. But now you can't go see your brothers and sisters because of the, and how much worse did life just get for you? That you're in a strange place now, and now you can't even see your brothers, and even if they weren't the ones that harmed you, you can't see them anymore. Cause, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything lightly, but, alright, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna stop from what I was getting ready to say, cause it's, I'm not, anyway, so, how bad is life when there's a corridor that you can't even go see, at least, you know, your big sister always was there for you, now you can't see her. That's awful. You think the devil isn't happy with, you think the devil's sad about COVID-19? You think the the devil, he's loving every second of this, man. Loving every second of this, especially having a golden chance to to mess with kids even more and, 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 and to screw them up. And so, 
Uh, currently, if, I, if I'm allowed to share this, you guys have 206 kids in your care at the moment. And out of the 206, 111 have happened since uh, the, the quarantine started a couple months ago. Like, that's a, for, a, for our small little area, that's a lot of kids being rescued out of harm's way. And, 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 but then also having, you know, as, as good a work as everyone's doing, still dealing with a lot of other probably emotional and challenging issues that come with that. That's heartbreaking, man. That's absolutely heartbreaking that that type of stuff is going on. And yet most Christians put no effort whatsoever into reaching kids with Jesus. That's something for Christians to think about right now. And so, I believe that not only is church essential, I believe children's ministry is essential to our survival. It's absolutely essential to our survival and for reaching people. Now, I'm going to start winding down here in a second, but stick with me. I'm going to throw something a little bit. I don't want to confuse you, but a little bit deep. But most people's cognitive development finally peaks out by about the age of 35. All right. So I just turned 35 and I'm like, wow, I really feel like I've arrived. I've peaked. I finally understand things. And so this means your, your ability to reason and, 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 and understand things, right? Your ability to make decisions and reason, it peaks out by about, so you're just, you're on an upward trend for all these years. That persons, we're talking psychologically here, their moral development finally peaks out by the age of 18. And so most, what I'm saying is this. Most people have their basic foundation and boundaries for what right and wrong is by the time they're 18. And so if somebody develops a habit and and, and an okayness of uh, telling little white lies by the age of 18, for the rest of their life, they're pretty much going to probably tell little lies to people all the time because they've developed a framework of morality that says, "Eh, and it's just little stuff, I'll just tell my boss that, this happened and, and, and they become okay with it. And, and, and so do you see what I'm saying? That by most people, by the time they're 18, they've set up what their moral scope is for the rest of their life. If, if, if parents have, have ingrained them to be a generous person and, and a, a compassionate person by the age of 18, for the rest of their life, they'll probably be compassionate, generous people. So what I'm saying is this. It is so vital every statistic i've shared that we reach people with jesus while they're young does everybody see that it's very 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 vital that we reach people with jesus and with the gospel while they're young because most of the time, by the time it's 18, and I'm seeing that, man, I, I've done young adults and youth ministry, and, and I'm, some of the stuff these guys think is okay is just, I'm, I'm not making fun of them, but mind-blowing. They'll tell me, I'm like, you think that's okay? Why? Why, why, why would it be okay? Well, it's okay to steal from a rich person because they've got a lot more. Is it okay to steal from a poor person? No, that's awful. How dare you? So it's okay to steal from somebody that... You know, it's just extra to them. They've got a nice big house, so we can take from them because we need it and we're poor. I'm telling, a lot of young people actually believe stuff like that right now. It's just as wrong to steal from a rich person as a poor person. Stealing is wrong. 
So it's just mind-blowing some of the moral that we've people have built over the last several years. And as Christian parents and as Christian people, we have got to change some of this. Because if you don't like what you see going on in the world right now, the next 10 years from now could look really super-duper bad. Well, I, I beat him up because he said something that offended me. Yeah, I burned their house down. You're darn right I burned their house down. He didn't vote the same way I did. So that makes it okay? Yeah, it makes it okay. It sounds crazy, but we're seeing this junk right now. Imagine another 10 or 20 years from now. It's time for us to take it serious. The last thing I'm going to show you is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. Amen. Are you still with me today? I didn't lose you yet, did I? Okay. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. And so, survey after survey, stat after stat that I've seen, undeniably, the very most influential people in children's lives to determine whether they're going to be a Christian or not, or to, to mold their faith for the future, undeniably, is their parents. The bulk majority of people that come to Jesus, not everybody, but the majority of people that come to Jesus, their parents were the ones that influenced them and helped them pray to receive Jesus. Most people. That was my case. That was many of your kids. Now, a lot of you weren't in that case, but a lot of you were later in life. But how many people just in this room, your parents were the ones that told you about Jesus and brought you to Jesus? Okay, a lot of people in this room. Yeah, the majority of people in this room, it was your parents that were the first ones and that then that led you to Jesus. So parents, here's about the most sound godly advice you could ever get right here from Moses himself. Deuteronomy six, verses six through nine. And this is the Lord speaking through Moses says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to the old people. No, to your children. Repeat the word of God to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Moses, the Lord said to these guys, if we're going to raise the next generation in the ways of God, you need to be talking to these kids while you're on the road, while you're at home. You need to write them on the door. You need to wear it on your arm. You need to everywhere surround these kids with the word of God. Parents, the biggest responsibility, grandparents rest and relies on us to teach our children the ways of God. And there's so many kids that are not in our own home, right? And, and, and we get that. But we as a church and we as Christians have a obligation, have a responsibility to do everything we can to protect children and to reach them with the gospel. Can I get a great big amen today? Amen. God is good to us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.